Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rupee Bowl Show. I am Yogi Moria, your host. Today, I have with me a very exciting guest, a fellow coach, uh, and I consider him a friend and colleague, Dipankur Sharma, who joins us from Mexico City. <laughs> and the best introduction I think I can give about Dipankur is he was a lawyer for many years, studied, you know, dotted the I's, crossed the T's, and had a greater passion to coach football. Got his licenses, just completed the A license, along with me, actually, uh, which is where we kind of got to know each other, which was great. And now he's coaching football in Mexico City, and it's, it's a fantastic uh, journey he's had. Proud to say he's an Indian who's abroad coaching in a great football country today. And um, Dipankur, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, thanks, Yogi. It's, it's a pleasure to be here, to be honest. <laughs> so Quite happy to be. Yeah. Uh, good morning. I, I know you got your coffee. You're, you're, <laughs> you're starting your day over there in Mexico. So yeah. Dipankur... Obviously, everyone wants to know how you ended up in Mexico coaching football, starting out as a, you know, a corporate lawyer. So why don't you take us through your journey a little bit? How did you get into football? Okay, so the story, actually, uh, I've been following uh, Arsenal since, you know, 2001 or 2002. But I really started watching the games. I obviously saw the Invincibles on and off on telly. But I really got into it when I was in law school with my friends. And the thing about Arsenal and that time, I think 2008, 2009, was we had a good squad. We had players like Nasri. We had Fabregas in his prime. He was like, uh, and we had Van Persie. And we had a good team. But every time the, the, uh, we were playing crunch matches, the team was, you know, it used to always lose. To be honest, it's just it's just a discipline fact. We lost yesterday as well. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say that theme just repeated itself exactly. for those of us who stayed up last night. <laughs> Swear, man, it is just depressing. But what happened from that experience was that I started analyzing why Arsenal used to lose. Like for me, the team was perfect. We had such great players. We were we had a, we had an amazing manager, and I still you know love Arsene Wenger for what he did for the club, but. Slowly, I realized that, you know, things beyond the players also make a difference in football. And that is when my love for the tactical side of the game came in. And I started reading blogs, trying to understand what went wrong, which player, what positions, which we could have improved on, by, and we lost the games. And when I look back, that is, you know, the, the, the seed, as you can say, of, you know, coaching was ingrained into me. And I have... Since I tried, uh, I, was do I was working as a lawyer at that time. I, I was actually in university and I had to do internships. Where were you so at university for law school? I did from a symbiosis law school in Pune. Okay. So over is there, that like your every... home? Is that your hometown or where are you from? Uh, no, I am from, uh, I don't really have a hometown as such okay. because my dad was in the Navy. So I was right. uh, born in Goa. I was brought up all across. I've lived in, uh, you know, Bangalore for a bit, uh, Delhi, Goa, obviously, 
spend some time in Mumbai as well. So <laughs> it's just right. So take yeah. now you're in university, you're studying law. Yeah. So every uh, like you know those breaks which you get in university is supposed to do internships. So that's when my you know first experience of work came in, where I was interning with some law firms. And what I realized in those internships was that I did not want to be the guy who's sitting in front of a laptop all day writing you know responses and uh, giving uh, some uh, you know solving queries for a guy i don't know to be honest yeah, so i realized at that time this is not the life i want and when i looked beyond uh, law at that time the only thing i had was football to be honest and that's 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 that was my passion and that's what everyone says right make your uh, make your passion your career and you'll never work a, a day in your life. Although I feel that when you make a passionate career, you work every day of your life. You don't stop working, but that's a different point. So at that time, around 2011 or something, I did start uh, you know, uh, researching about how to get into football. And there's not, not much material available online. There's not much information. So I have family in Germany. So I visited them, tried to get more information out of it. but what I understood was there's no, you know, there's, there's no, the licenses are not a course. Like it's not a university course that you can get a visa for and stay for four years and get a job out of it. Like how the traditional Indian university system is that, you know, you get placements once you're done. So right. I came back and uh, worked for a year in a IPR firm. I used to work with intellectual property rights, working on copyrights, trademarks, etc. And my love for football obviously still remained and I still used to read articles so in one of uh, the websites which I found was uh, there's a there's a coach who was working in Delhi at that time I was based in Delhi his name was Stevie Grieve and sure yeah so I just started you know uh, I, I looked him up I found him on Twitter this is this part is obviously a bit sketchy because I had to really stalk him to find out more information because I was excited about, uh, you know, working in football in India, for especially because that just makes, I, I could, you know, uh, transition from a lawyer to a good football coach easier in India than, you know, trying to make it abroad initially. Right. So, so I found out his Twitter, uh, he was apparent I was supposed to go for a Wolf Mother concert and I saw on Twitter that he was supposed to be there. So I thought I would, you know, just meet him over there and have a chat and, you know, start, find out how I can get into football in India, which obviously sounds stupid now, but yeah, so that's he, how did, desperate so I was. So you met him? <laughs> did you guys meet at the concert? Uh, no, not really, actually. So I, both of us sadly did not end up going. My friends also backed out and yeah, I found out later that he also did not go for it. but. From that experience, I realized that I really do want to meet him. So I found him on LinkedIn, got his email ID, sent him a mail, no response again. And as a last resort, I uh, called up the company he was working with in India. And I just uh, told them that, you know, I, I want to talk to this guy. And they said, what's it regarding? I said, I want to know more about football in India. And I just want to talk to him and get, you know, understand how I can get into it at that time. And... Thankfully, that guy, you know, obviously, uh, you, I would not give a number out of, you know, the TD just like that to a random guy who's, who wants to meet him. That just sounds wrong, but <laughs> he, was, he was good enough to share his number. We, 
I got in touch with Stevie and uh, yeah, so we finally met uh, in a coffee shop and had a really long conversation about how football is in India, what are the future prospects, is it a viable career or not? And uh, yeah, so from that, I think uh, after that conversation, the next day itself, I was uh, I went to a one of the training centers and I was working as a football coach part time. And this was at uh, Baichanguria Football School. Yes, that was Baichanguria Football Schools. Yes. Fantastic. So uh, you know, persistence can pay off. <laughs> So Definitely. now you, you, you went full-time in 2014 into coaching, right? Yes. So after a couple of uh, months of working part-time, I was very lucky with my, uh, my job as a lawyer because those guys uh, only used to come to office twice a week. So we used to meet twice. We used to have targets and we needed to do work, which is obviously there every day, but we didn't have to go to office for that, which I'm still surprised that most of the world you know, don't understand. We, especially the Indian culture, we have, even as a, as a football coach, I was asked to work and come to office every day, which I don't understand. So this gave me the flexibility of uh, working part-time and seeing if this is something I want to do because you always build things up in your head. And when you actually get it, you realize that, you know, it's not good enough. So that, that is the, that is something I wanted to avoid. I didn't want to commit to this and then feel like, oh, this is not, you know, it, it seemed very uh, good when you are watching it on telly and you see the coach standing on the side and giving instructions, but this is not what I want to do. So that's why I wanted to wait for a while. I worked for two, three months as, in, as a part-time coach. And once I realized that, you know, this is, this is who I want to be and this is what I want to do. So I quit law and became a full, full-time coach. So I think that's a great, you know, there's two great lessons here already. One is your, your persistence in trying to meet someone in the game and, uh, you know, not kind of taking no for an answer, which I, I think is brilliant. And I think we can all use some of that um, no matter what we're, we're, we're kind of going after. And the second thing I think is critical here is there's a lot of people like you who want to get into football and um, I think maybe they rush. And uh, you kind of yeah. took your time and did it very rationally <laughs> and knew when you pulled the final trigger and said, okay, I'm in, I'm all in, you, right. you, you had evaluated it enough. Um, so I think that's fantastic. <laughs> and um, okay. So from Bachangudia football schools, what happened next? Uh, so after I, I was, I've grown through the system, I, I owe a lot to that, that company, to be honest. I started off as someone who did not know how to coach. And you always feel like, you know, when you're, when you're doing a passion that you'll be good at something and you'll, you know, you'll be good at it and you'll be, you know, you'll start, you'll start and you'll be a good coach. But that's not how it, how it works. And that is the lesson which I learned from that was that you have to the only uh, advantage you have of having a passion is that you keep persisting with it. And I was not a good coach initially. I was, I made a lot of mistakes and I, I learned through the system. I perceived, and that's where, uh, that's how, you know, I've grown and this is where I, I'm still nowhere, but I've, I've grown a lot from the time I've come in. So I'm very grateful for the BBFS, you know, family 
to help me out with that, let me make my mistakes, help me learn. And I was with them for five years. I grew from, you know, as a part-time coach to being one of their technical leaders and heading cities and promoting football over there. So places like Bangalore and uh, Gujarat, I started the academies over there for them. Right. And my role grew from, you know, uh, I was working with the team, obviously. I was working with the 15s and the 16s. But along with that, I also started nurturing the new coaches coming in. And that is something which gave me a lot of pleasure because it was my way of, you know, giving it back to the coaching community and helping them, you know, through the process which I went through as a coach as well. So that's kind of what I did in my five years with BBFS. And yeah, so... And, um... Now you got your, you were getting your qualifications in India, right? And, yeah. um, you know, talk about that. Uh, so my qualifications, I, I did my, I think 2015 only, I did my D and C license right. from Mumbai and uh, C I did from Srinagar. And this was obviously it was still initial parts of my coach education. And what I felt was that the way the academy used to run in BBFS, we, our philosophy was very similar to how, you know, the coach education system in India wants to be. Although I do feel that, you know, it is difficult as an instructor in, you know, Savio's position or Mariana or whoever is the instructor to impart a lot of information at that time. Like this is 15 or 20 days, but for me, it was, uh, it was easier because this is what we are doing throughout, uh, our year as well. Right. And, uh, f from that I have like, I did my C in 15, then I had to wait two years, uh, 17, I did my B license and, uh, it's, it just, you know, I, it's been growing, uh, with the process and trying to learn as much as possible. So, uh right that's and uh that's more or less about the indian licenses <laughs> sure and i mean uh you've done a a a course in high performance at barcelona which you feel yes. uh, had a big impact on your perspective as a coach definitely definitely so there is another funny story about that actually so there was this uh, conference, I think the first uh, conference which AIFF conducted in Delhi, it was in uh, Amity. And there was this coach called, uh, I'm sure everyone knows about him, Kareem uh, Ben Sharifa. Of course. Right? Yes. <laughs> so it, it, there were a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people talking and imparting knowledge. But there's one thing which really stuck to me at that time was when an Indian coach uh, during a Q&A session asked the panel that, uh, why is it that Indian coaches are not getting the top jobs? And, you know, we, why are we getting foreigners in to take our, our jobs? And Savio sir obviously, you know, tackled it and very well. And he answered that, you know, we are trying to improve our quality and we're trying to help the coaches in India to reach that level. But then Kareem uh, got up and he gave a simple answer where he said that before I came to India, 
I had, I worked in my own country. I've worked, he, I checked his profile and he had like, he's worked in nine different uh, clubs. And that is what qualified him to get the top job in India in the I-League. And he asked us, Indian coaches in general, on what basis do you, are you, uh, do you want to claim that you are more deserving of the job compared to me? So his general point was that work in, work on yourself, invest in yourself, try to get different experiences and then, you know, try to say, Oh, I'm, I deserve that top job because that's how, you know, football is. You should not be getting your job because of your passport. We should be helping the coaches move up. Definitely. And, you know, to help them gain as much knowledge as possible. But at the end of the day, it's, it should not, you know, as a club owner, you're a club owner as well. And it should not be that you are hiring someone just because of their passport or their playing career or, you know, anything else sure. except for are they worthy of that position or not. Sure. So that, that small thing, that small aspect of, uh, you know, that whole conference is what stuck to me. And I realized that, you know, the money I'm spending on getting fancy phones, fancy, you know, bikes, cars or whatever I'm saving up for, that is not something that's going to help me become a better coach. And if I want to c- compete with the Kareem Ben Sharifas and, you know, all the top coaches in the world, I have to imp- make my CV. I have to improve my knowledge. I have to improve my experience. And that is what led me to taking up this, uh, this course in Barcelona, which is called the MVP Masters in High Performance. Right. And I can like it, it, it's, I spent four months there, four to five months. And the growth which I had was unbelievable. Like my family itself, you know, when, when I came back, they said I'm a different person right now. And I owe it to the technical and tactical knowledge I got from the course. We, we talked about fundamentals and we talked about small things which we all see, but we don't know as such when we coach. Right. So like uh, a small example, which uh, I would give is when a player is dribbling, he, we, what we normally do is we dribble, you know, we don't think when we're dribbling as a, as a winger or someone or any player, to be honest, whichever position. But what that course talked about was fixing a defender. So when you dribble towards the defender, instead of like, you know, if, if the goal is on the side and the defender is maybe around the goal, if you dribble towards him, he's not going to move. And that space in front of the goal will still remain. But instead, if you start dribbling towards the goal directly, the defenders, obviously the basic is cover, cut the line of the, uh, of the goal and the ball and then press it. Yes, go so, at the defender. Always coach that. Exactly. Go at the defender. Exactly. And uh, I've, it's a very small point, you know. But once you know it, you can see it all the time at the top club. So these small things is what, uh, you know, make a very big difference when you're playing, uh, when you're coaching the team and which I learned from that course. But more importantly, the course also covered the other side of the game, which is the meta game or, you know, as a, as a coach, what I need to do on myself, I need to focus on myself. So there was the emotional side of the game, which also was uh, covered over there. So, uh, what we had was along with these sessions, we had obviously the, 
the methodology, the, the different styles of coaching and what all things we can do, like, you know, having perception games, et cetera, et cetera. But we worked on the emotional intelligence of a person. Right. And for me, that is something which we guys ignore a lot. It's first of all, uh, there's this quote by, I think, uh, Julian uh, Nagelsmann, where he says that, uh, coaching a top team is 70% uh, EQ and 30% you know tactics so that kind of shows how much of you know uh, emotional quotient of players and understanding their psychology is required for a top job but along with that it's also about being confident about yourself being comfortable with who you are being clear about the ideas you have because I'm sure in your, uh, you know, you've been working with top teams for a long time. I myself have faced the situation where a couple of, you know, the, the players just try to act smart and try to get in your head and they act like, you know, oh, you're trying to make, be friends with the head coach and then trying to put ideas which they have into you and trying to get their way. And it's about how comfortable and confident you are about your ideas and how clear you are that you have to understand at what point he is trying to take advantage of you and at what point he's trying to help the team. So sure. things like these. Happens all the time. Uh, exactly. That's what <laughs> everyone <laughs> wants to get ahead in life, right? Especially the players. Sure. <laughs> they have the most difficult the job of the lot. <laughs> happens all the yeah. time. And uh, I've, exactly. uh, and I've fallen into that trap at times too. <laughs> it happens. You learn yeah. from it. You, 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 oh, definitely. Because usually it's very costly. Um, exactly. You learn quickly. You know, I had, I remember I had a situation where I, the other team was down a man and uh, right. you know, they got in a red card in the first half and it was a nil nil game. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to go out and go with the back three because they're leaving one striker up. Yeah. And it, right before, so we had agreed everything tactically, you know, the team knew what to do because we'd even practiced it. And yeah right before they go out for uh they they took the huddle they went to the huddle they come out of the right. huddle and my captain came to me and said you know coach we just want to go back to the back four i said fine and uh, i trusted them right and uh we ended up with a nil nil draw and didn't really create anything and uh, after the game to their credit they came to me and said you know coach whatever you want is fine don't listen to us <laughs> <laughs> it does. It happens, you know, right. and you have to, like you said, exactly. you got, if I could, I should have been more confident in my idea. And I learned a lot from that yeah. moment. So I think it's a good point. Of course, exactly. That's <laughs> um, now tell us yep. about, you know, the Mexico opportunity. You've shared something with me, which I think everyone should mm -hmm. know about persistence. Yeah, How'd you get so, it? Sorry? How did you get it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another painful story at my end. But uh, so towards the end of uh, my course, we had, uh, we had guys from the Netherlands, uh, one guy from Panama, uh, the UK and US. Like we had, we had a very mixed group. And from my own experience of being there, what I felt was that after I came back, I, as I said, I grew a lot as a, as a person along with, you know, learning 
better uh, the whole MVP methodology. Right. So what I thought was that this is something I can do at this stage of my life. Like I'm 28 right now. So I'm going to turn 29 next month, but I'm 28 till I'm 29 till I don't turn 29. So what I thought was that this is a time where I should not be comfortable with what I have. And this is like, you shouldn't, you should all do the learning process never ends, but you have to ensure that, you know, you keep pushing yourself till the time, you know, you, you can gain as much as knowledge, as much knowledge as possible from, you know, your experiences. So this is something which I, which I got a taste of from in Barcelona. And I wanted more of uh, once I came back. So along with getting an op, I, I had a few good opportunities, which did not work out in India for X or Y reasons working with the first teams or the reserve teams of different clubs. But when I got a chance to work in Mexico, which was after I had applied in over uh, 200 clubs and universities all across the world. So from January onwards till I think April of last year, I had applied, sent uh, applications, sent filled forms, in over 200 uh, clubs and universities because I was looking for the junior assistant uh, job in universities in the U.S. 200. <laughs> yes. So for everyone who's listening, <laughs> yeah. I mean, persistence pays. <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I got rejected uh, I, for like, there were a lot of clubs who were interested. Uh, out of 200, I would say at least 30 were the ones who did want me, but it's about, you know, some clubs in like China wanted a European passport clubs. Uh, USA did not really want to provide the visa for it, but that's the thing. Like you, you have to, you know, you have to persist with it. You have to give it a shot because there will be someone out there who would be, you know, looking beyond your passport, beyond, you know, the effort of getting the visa formalities done for you. And this is, this, this just worked out in that way. We, I spoke to the guy who was heading the program over here and we just connected on a different level. We, we had similar ideas about football. We agreed on, you know, how things are going to be and how, how he wants things to be done and the philosophy and it just, it just worked out. So and what's the name of the organization? Onwards, we were, what, what's the name of the organization? It's called uh, foot Academy. It's a, right. uh, uh, it's it, basically I'm the only Indian in a uh, UK based system. So right. everyone else is a coach from the UK and right. they believe in the FA, FA philosophy. And it's, it's an English based uh, coaching system in right. uh, Mexico. So we coach in English so that helps for me. And, and um, uh, what is your role? So my primary uh, role is working with, the under 15s and uh, I work also with the 2010-2011 group. So my main team is the under 15s, but along with that, I coach uh, the under 10s, under 9s as well on a regular basis. And sometimes like this yesterday itself, I had to take a session with a three-year-old, one-year-old <laughs> because the coach wasn't available. So we take different age groups. But my primary team is under 15s, and I'll, I'm also assisting with a, with a university, which is called Anoak. So the women's team of that university is another project which I'm slowly getting into. So as an assistant coach. So Wonderful. That's yeah. 
so it's 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 an amazing experience because you know you, you get to influence different age groups like i'm the 15s are a different you know level of learning than compared to the under 10s under 9s and it's 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 something i'm i'm learning a lot from to be honest so right. it's, it's, and it's, um you know, let's get to the question that's probably on everyone's mind. What are the big differences you've observed in your experience <laughs> there versus here? And uh, it's it's the differences are huge. It was a shock for me when I came here because I've uh, what I feel is in India and in I was working with a club in uh, Barcelona as well. The respect for the coach comes naturally. We are always, you know. For the good or for the bad, we always think the coach is right, and we are going to listen to every word the coach is going to say. So, that is something which does not happen here at all. You have to earn the respect of the players. You have to earn the right to coach them, because I, me, and my the guy who I'm working with, he we both take the session together for the under ten, tens, and elevens, and we had to the players just walk out. They're like, no, I'm not. I'm not feeling. You know, uh, I'm not enjoying the session. Sorry. So right. this is something which, sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is the under 10s and 11s. I'm going to get to the 06, which has been my biggest uh, challenge of the, of my life, to be honest, but right. this is how the under 10s and 12s behave. And they're, they're just being honest, to be honest. It, it's, it's, it's not their fault. They're being frank about how the session is being conducted and what is happening. So what we learned from this experience was that we have to ensure we are doing something which the players enjoy. So the way we take our sessions now after, you know, two, three months of trying to do different things, trying to ensure they're engaged. And one thing which just, which did stick and let, uh, we never know how you know, things are going to change, but right now it's working is we just play matches with them. We don't coach. What we do with the under 10s and 11s is that we have a topic in mind. And we put them in one v one, two v two matches, which are conducive to getting that objective for us. So, let me. I'm going to go back a little because you said a couple of things here that are uh, they're the kind of thing that coaches can spend ten hours talking about. Um, yeah. So hang on here now. <laughs> What you mentioned when you started the job, it's an English academy with mostly English coaches in Mexico City, right? Teaching in English, uh, local kids from Mexico City coming of all ages, right? Okay, and you said that the foot uh, foot academy, yes, uh, that's correct. It has kind of a philosophy. Yes. Is there a simple way to define what the philosophy is? Uh, what I would say is that our philosophy is to ensure that the players enjoy the learning process. So we have, we don't have a first team, but it's, it's an academy. So our main objective is to play a more associative style of football, but also ensuring that the players get challenged all the time. So it is about ensuring they enjoy and along with that, how can they learn more? So we keep pushing the players that like we have a league of our own. We did not want to play in the Mexican league. So for the, for the grassroots, we have our own league where we have rules like players, uh, when there's a goal kick, the defend, the, the opponents cannot enter the final third. 
So that's like a retreat line. Them, sure. Exactly. Sure. The retreat line so that they can get time on the ball and they can, it, they are promoted to, you know, start the play from the back. They try to be confident on the okay. ball. So this, then we have like rules, like uh, if their team has more than four goals, then they remove one player. So it's called the mercy rule. Okay. So, so that, you know, we can get more balance and, we don't want our coaches shouting from the outside and we don't want them to, you know, feel that winning is the most important uh, thing at that age. So and, that is, um, that kind of sums up how. Got it. Yeah. So now, okay. Now I think it's, it's something you touched on is just such a good thing that you mentioned about players. Now in your case, this is an extreme where players just walk out and say, I'm not enjoying it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole fraternity out there who talk about this all the time, uh, where just blow the freaking whistle and let them play. And, right. and we don't do enough of it. We're too instructional, too structured. And, um, now you've gone the other way where it sounds like your U15s, they're coming and playing mostly right at this moment. Is that right? This is the under 10s and 12s. So I, okay, I have 10s. something similar with the U15s as well. Right. But and so we can what, talk. since you've kind of gone, I mean, I'm assuming this is a phase of their development where you've decided, let's try this. What is your, yeah. what, what, what have you learned from that period of, I'm, I'm simplifying by saying just let them play, but basically they're coming in the ground and playing. Yeah, exactly. Because every time uh, the players used to come in, they used to say, are we playing matches? Yeah. And, if, you know, when you say no, you know, we're doing a drill, they'll obviously, you know, feel disappointed. So at 10 or 11, is that's not, uh, you know, how you would want the players to feel when they enter the pitch. So I'll give you an example of one of the, like, uh, yesterday's, just day before yesterday's session, which I took. So we were working on uh, players making the decision when to pass and when to dribble. So what we did was we played a two versus one game. It's a proper match. It, it had the winner gets promoted to the next level and the loser stays and, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's competitive in that way. And we made a line in the middle. So the attackers have to stay in their zone and the defender can move. So right. what that does is that the player has to think now, if the defender is in my zone, do I pass or do I take him on? What is the best decision at that time? And it's a, for them, it's just a match. They're looking to win. But what we are doing by, is that we're just giving them a problem to solve where they're learning the concept of when to dribble and when to pass. And I feel this is the best way of going ahead with it right now. Like, this is my opinion. I, 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 think it's, I think it's the same with, with professional players, honestly, because I, I've had... Exactly. I mean, I always start with more games than drilling for, for many years because of this factor. Um, they all want to have fun and you got to try and exactly. teach them in a manner where they're having fun. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, I'm assuming you're going to continue with this. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Till the time they don't say we are bored, we don't want to play matches <laughs> and I have to find a different solution it's for them. Never, never going <laughs> to happen, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen gonna at say all. no to wanting to play. <laughs> That's fantastic. Exactly. So it's just about finding, you know, it's like, Taking the old wine in the new bottle, finding new different matches, different constraints, and 
right. ensuring that they are engaged because our job is just to ensure that they enjoy and they feel that the environment is conducive to learning and let them do their thing because players are you know when you give them the freedom they will be they will try to be more creative and so um, that's how i feel yeah um yeah and go ahead coming to the sorry go ahead yeah so coming to my under 15s that has been like the biggest challenge of my life up till now to be Why? honest because Why? because they're teenagers <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh, a uh, my spanish as, as i said i'm still learning but uh, they know how to take advantage of the fact that i don't speak it very well so they're always you know taking a piss out of things they're trying to act cocky and they think that they know they they know what you know they're doing all the time so it's about how the challenge number 1 for me was how do i connect with these players because i'm in a, i'm from a different country i'm uh, i don't speak the language very well so the first problem i faced was the uh, how do i connect with these players secondly what i faced was that these uh, as i said in india you know i was working with with good teams the players were always respectful i went to barcelona so my ego was also obviously a little bit you know i was like oh, i'm coming to youth football i can do this this is i've been coaching coaches how to take under 15 under 13 so i should be good at it so when this <laughs> happens and you then the players don't listen to you then you start you know it it starts messing with your head and you're like oh why why is not doing it you start you know uh, trying to put more pressure on the players and that never works especially with teenagers this is not the way forward i don't all. think so, it works with with the older group either exactly frankly. that's what it's exactly. a change, it's a different generation it it is a change exactly. world and it, so how did what, you connect with them what how is it an ongoing my, process uh, oh it's definitely an ongoing process but uh so what happened was that at some point in time i just you know i i had to talk to my fellow coaches and try to understand how do i you know change things because the sessions i used to take in india the ones i've done in spain they were not working here so what solution we came up was that these guys also want to play matches so it's about how do i ensure that you know that throughout uh you know engaged in these kind of situations so the first thing was to get them to feel that they're playing football playing matches all the time and after that the second bit was the connection and there's this quote i don't know if it's by wenger or who it is by but uh, it says that a player does not care how much you know unless he knows that you know how much you care about of him of course so the first thing exactly this is i think this is in the license as well or did savio also mention this quote i don't yeah he did he did he did right yeah quite often I, that's what i quite often <laughs> exactly and that's obviously went through one year and came out of the other at that time but now it is something which i really value and i understand how important that is so after that uh, we had that december break where and uh, we i that was my lowest point to be honest with the with these players because things were not working out some of them were just you know walking in the pitch not caring about the session so once i regrouped and you know analyzed the whole process for the first 3 months i came back in january and 
the way I connected with them was through individual, you know, conversations, trying to talk to them about who they are, what they want from football, how their, how is their life in general? Like, you know, I found out one of my players, he was, he's facing a few problems because his dog died. And that's why he was not able to concentrate. Sure. So con- coming to these connections and trying to understand them at a deeper level, help me, you know, uh, understand when should I push them more importantly, because it could be that the kid is not in a good mood and I'm trying to, you know, ask him to, Oh no, press him, close him down. It's not going to work. His mind is not there. So I need to understand what, uh, he's feeling as a person at that time and then try to decide if, should I be pushing him at that time or should I, should I let him be, give him a break, X, Y, Z, whatever solution is, you know, the best at that time. It's still, it's still an ongoing process. It's just sure, two months. <laughs> it's, um, it's something that I hope uh, more coaches learn from. Um, exactly. It's, 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 it's not something a, which will it's be. It's not a science. It is, it is an art. And uh, <laughs> it, I think it does take experience. And, you know, the first part, I think you've nailed the awareness of it and the desire <laughs> to deal with it is, I think, right. uh, a big factor and I think we can all improve from from what you're saying um okay so now what's it like living in Mexico City <laughs> uh, I know when someone says Mexico you always think that, like most people my parents included think about uh, drugs about wars about crime but when I came here, I was really surprised by how warm the people are and the weather as well. It's been, it's very pleasant throughout the year. But what I feel is that it's, it's Mexico has a bad name because of maybe the media or the, the, the movie, especially, but it's, it's like, uh, I give an example of New York city. Everyone wants to live there, but if you see the crime rates over there, it is one of the top three in the world. And still you would, if someone says, oh, I'm living in New York, you'll feel, you know, oh, that's an amazing place to be. So what I feel is that Mexico is, it's, it's got a bad name, but it is, uh, it is a beautiful country, which has a lot of history. It is unbelievable. The things that they've done over here, the architecture that this is, uh, there are pyramids in Mexico as well. They have uh, like with the Aztecas and the Mayans. They all uh, worshipped the the mountains and the and the sun god and everything. So they have pyramids. They have a lot of history, which goes before yeah. Christ as well. Yeah, of course. Compared it's a to the U.S., it's a, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this is something which I really love. You know, I, I try to understand the culture and try to understand the history of the place. So right. I'm very happy about what I've uh, what I've seen and felt over here about the people living in this place, and. Yeah, in general, it's, 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 it's a very, very warm place. I can, my, as I said, my, I'm still learning my Spanish, but people genuinely want to help you improve or they make an effort to, you know, talk to you and understand what you're trying to say, even if it's in English and they're not, it's not the first language. So I, I feel people should uh, give it a shot. If like, once I came here, I always, yeah, actually not here before I was in, when I was doing my course in Barcelona, you always think of, oh, I'm an Indian coach, people over are from Europe, they might have more knowledge than me, X, Y, Z. That is not the case. 
those guys are as good or bad as us and it's just about you know putting yourself out there and trying to get as much experience out of it and this is the same thing over here for me that i i feel i'm as good as the next coach who is from the uk and we all are it's just that we ask we don't make the effort of trying to work abroad and try to learn more we we are the ones who are you know keep, it's our own mind which is keeping us in india right now but it's 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 sure <laughs> it's, it's it's that's it's it's a diff i'm not being able to frame it properly to be honest but i think you're right it's in your own head i mean exactly. listen indians are running you know google microsoft pepsico you know for many years exactly. at least she's retired now but i mean <laughs> You know, we're, yeah. we're top doctors, top lawyers, becoming governors and politicians. I mean, uh, all over in other fields, right. Indian, you know, we have Fortune 500 companies. We're succeeding exactly. in so many fields. There's no reason why we shouldn't succeed as coaches. Exactly. And there's so many qualities which we have as being Indians as well. The work ethic we have, the the amount of, you know, effort we uh, we do towards learning new things it's it's there's no reason why we cannot go to the us we cannot go to europe and work it's just about you know as i said putting yourself outside your comfort zone and trying to give it a shot it's it's, it's the first step which is the most difficult always the rest comes easy <laughs> sure so um dipankar thank you so much for this today and being uh, so open and candid it's been a pleasure <laughs> it's been great having you and um i hope you'll come on again and tell us how things are going with those under 15 <laughs> you know teenagers <laughs> oh, we'll check it, in again in a few definitely. months it will be interesting and, <laughs> yeah and uh don't get lost in mexico city and uh <laughs> you know make sure uh you remember the rest of us sweating it out over here <laughs> and uh, uh best, best of luck to you and uh keep, you. keep it up all right thanks yogi it's, it's been a pleasure to be here and yeah there's no way i can forget you everyone i spent my a license with to be honest we, we i think we were very close as a group and it's i just hope that we you know all of us keep succeeding and we keep growing as persons and as coaches throughout <laughs> Amen to that. All right, Dipankar, have yourself a great Cheers, day. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks a lot, right. Yogi. Bye-bye. Have a good day as well. Yep, Bye-bye.